Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 13. This time it actually is episode 13 of the Founding Fellows podcast, unlike episode 12, which I <laughs> said was 13. We're back on track today, though. That's all that matters. As always, I'm your co-host, Zach Rainsford, joined by Braden Hind. What's up, buddy? Another early recording. Yeah, I was uh, actually a bit disappointed the other day. We, The Montreal Canadiens were in the chase for uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, but then I saw what the, the price ended up being for him, and I was quite relieved if Montreal was going to have to fork that up. And I, I'd like to think Bergevin wouldn't, but who knows with some of the trades he's made in the past. Yeah, it's... I imagine if it's Montreal Canadiens, we would have seen uh, Nick Suzuki, former Owen Sound attack. I think, I think he said he's off, he was off the table. The, the deal I heard involved Cock and Yemi, a first-round pick, and possibly Victor Mete was what I was hearing. If but I'm if a... look at the line A deal, then... Yeah, you, you can't really compete with Patrick Laine. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is a 22-year-old, I believe, centerman yeah. from the Columbus Blue Jackets, requested a trade out of Columbus and also winger Patrick Lining, 22 years old. They were selected in the same draft, the same draft as Austin Matthews. They were selected at uh, number two for Patrick Lining and number three overall in the first round for pa- uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. They were essentially traded for each other. There was a uh, Jack Roslevic, which is a 2015 first round pick as well, who wanted out of Winnipeg going to Columbus and a uh, third round Columbus pick going back to Winnipeg. So that's uh, the extent of the trade there. And, yeah, there was a lot of interest, and that's, that's yeah, you, you really can't compete with Patrick Line. The guy scored 40 goals in the NHL. Okay, what, what do you think about the trade? Who do you think won it? I think Columbus wanted big time. Uh, I also saw that what was, what was the exact trade? It was Line in a fourth round or a fourth line center. Uh, it was Line Poslovic. Yeah, Poslovic. For Dubois, third, but I also believe Winnipeg's retaining 25% of Line's salary. 26%, so it matches uh, Pierre Dubois, uh, his salary cap. So, it, pretty good deal for for Columbus, in my opinion. They still don't really have that number one or number two center. You have you have Max Domi slotted up now. He's going to be probably the top line center. Does he have it? He hasn't proven that he has that uh, capability that you know he can play second, third line. He had a now, sick he year in Arizona, right? But. He was never well, able and to he did okay in Montreal, but then he's just he's inconsistent and he seems to fall out of coach's favor quite quickly, it seems. And I don't know, I don't think they they have the depth at all at center. Like you bring in a fourth line center doesn't really do anything to remedy the the top line, but I guess no their thinking is probably we can't pass up on a guy like Line. Well, Roslovic, I don't think he's actually I don't think he has a contract right now. I think they traded the rights to Roslovic. Oh wow. and uh, he was holding out. He basically was like, Yeah, trade me as well. So He's uh he's a bit older, 2015 draft pick, I believe. But uh, it's interesting seeing these young guys basically requesting trades, trying to get out of Dodge now. Totally different NHL, and you hear yeah. a lot of the retirees talk about it. It's like before you couldn't come into a change room or a locker room and speak your piece. You kind of had to hold your tongue and wait until you're accepted. Now they come in there, dick swinging, <laughs> uh, trying to claim the change room. And, and after their entry, after two years of their entry level deal, there's talks and then they can 12 million and whatnot. So that's oh, crazy. Totally a different NHL now. I guess guys at the top of the draft are just more ready to enter the league with that high level of skill and speed that they do have coming out of development programs in the OHL and whatnot than mm-hmm. they did in the past. Absolutely. They're ready to compete now. And that's, and I think that there's, there's a swagger to these young guys, right? Yeah, 
big time. Like, like look at Matthews. He's out of the lineup. He's rocking like a Louis Vuitton scarf. Yeah. A bandana, a dirty mustache. Yeah. It's... Like, and he gets called like a god online. <laughs> <laughs> Leafs Twitter's loving him. Yeah. They love him. But uh, speaking of the how, do you think, what do you think of them thus far? Dude, I think they're legit. Like they, I, I went to bet on them for the cup the other day, and they were the same as the Leafs. They moved it to thirteen to one. I was like, "What the hell?" I think they are a very good looking hockey team right now. You know what they remind me of? The St. Louis Blues, mm-hmm. just because they are big and strong, powerful and intimidating. But the difference with the Blues is the Blues had a hot rookie goalie when they won the cup. Mm-hmm. Montreal Canadiens have Carey Price. Yeah. So that's and, and Jake Allen, who was a part of that that round with the Blues as well. That's a good point. Who's another? So he's been a number one in the league, and he's not like it's not like he's regressed. Bennington no. just was on fire and stole the starting job in St. Louis. Which I think Allen's two and zero this season. Actually, I think he's only let in. I think both games are only two goals he had against him. He could be a number one goalie in the league. He's a little bit inconsistent for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But putting him behind Carey Price, like those, that's the best. That's the best goaltending duo in the league hands down yeah i i don't want to it's still too early to say obviously they're a wagon but i am impressed by the moves and how the team's meshing together they're watching yeah i think every game they've had at least four goals and i like it's it's mental you gotta be betting on the overs there yeah it's gotta be going on yeah you have to be but no they're really fun to watch i've watched every single Hobbs game this year usually i try to catch as many as i can but with covid this year it's like what else am i doing i'm just gonna watch hockey yeah exactly and it's been fun, man. Suzuki's got so much skill. I think he's really got to work on his skating, but he sure got some skill. And you have Anderson, who would like, have you seen that guy buzzing around the ice? He's huge. He yeah, it's crushes insane. guys. He can score, and he's so fast. I had no idea this guy had speed. Like, I well, he's been hurt so long, right? He's only had a couple of years in the league. Uh, he was yeah. hurt last year, abysmal numbers because he was he was in and out of the lineup, and. He really worked on himself. He really wanted it. And everyone was kind of scratching their heads at the deal they gave him. He's already got three goals, two assists, I believe, on a season. A bunch of hits. He's looking great. I saw you picked him up in fantasy, too. Yeah, I picked him up in fantasy a few weeks ago, and he's he's done well for me. But uh, what did you do last night? We should explain to the people. We had a – due to COVID, we did a a expansion draft, so to speak, last night. We added one bench spot. We pulled names out of a hat to see the new draft order. And we did a draft for the the remaining free agents left. Who'd you end up uh, picking up? Yeah, so that's a quick fantasy update for all our enthralled uh, listeners that really love our fantasy league. <laughs> we know you do. It's okay. Uh, I picked up Jakob Slavin. And uh, has that fifth bench spot updated yet? I don't know. Have you been on the app yeah, yet today? No, I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I woke up at 5-something a.m. this morning. Yeah. Like just one of those where you wake up too early. And before I could go back to sleep, I was like, oh, man. Because I, I thought about this last night when I was going to bed. I was like, I'm going to sleep in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose out on this, this free agent that I wanted. Even though we had the draft and I picked uh, yeah. Romanov. But, so that was secure. But there was an, I, had an, I had two bench spots open because I was, I was running a guy guy low for the last couple of days of the week. So I just flipped over in bed grabbed my phone. It actually impeded me from falling back asleep for like an hour <laughs> because of the, the screen. So worth it. Uh, yeah, I actually ended up picking... Uh, Hornquist up. He's only played two games. He's got four points. He oh, I don't like that. I like that pick. But it's updated. So I got uh, Romanov and Hornquist this morning. I'm, I'm looking good playing uh, our buddy Cheese, who's been a regular on this podcast this week. Man, mine's not updated. I only have four bench bench slots still. Yeah, we only had three. No, we were at four. And it should be at five now. Really? Yeah. 
Well, maybe hey. I was running two guys low. <laughs> <laughs> well, do no, you have a guy in the right now? I got three goalies. I got three goalies. No, it's right. five. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to send a text to the group chat and get just chastised again. Everyone hates my commissioner skills. It might be you might have capped it at four players and like the extra goalie spot because it still was adding a bench spot technically. Maybe that's how it did it with yours. I don't know. I'll have to take a look at that when we uh, yeah when we're we'll done recording. <laughs> Everyone's like, shut up about fantasy. No, we love it. Well, it's actually like all I do half the day. So you gotta. What do you got? Last night NFL. I didn't actually watch much of the game. I watched some of the Bucks game actually, but I didn't watch the Chiefs game. Uh, what are you thinking? You got Mahomes versus Brady. Wow, first time that uh, a quarterback can be at home for the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, it's a home game for the box or for the yeah for the Bucks, and there's twenty two thousand fans expected to be in the uh, the Bucks stadium wow. there. Yeah, uh, fifteen thousand there are just tickets being sold, and then seventy five hundred I think it is or seven thousand. I don't know if it's twenty two or twenty two five. Uh, they're giving away those tickets to healthcare workers, which is awesome. kind of a, a good move on the NFL's part because those tickets yep. would sell for a boatload of money. Like Hot they would take a ton of revenue off of that. So. Um, yeah, so it's going to be Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. The betting favorite so far is uh, Kansas City Chiefs, who are the defending Super Bowl champions. I expect them to win. Uh, Brady didn't impress me, especially in the second quarter of the game last night, but our buddy Keeg said it best. Uh, you can't he bet wins. against Tom Brady, so I'm gonna probably put money on the Bucks. You got better yeah, odds, he, yeah. You have better odds. I think they're plus 245, I think, right now. Wow. The opening line was uh, plus like 140 on the Barstool uh, betting app, yeah. which I thought was I like, I, saw I thought those odds were way too small. Yeah, I think I checked last night. Um, but yeah, no, I think they're, they're it's going to be an insane game, rather. I think you have the greatest of all time versus someone who is coming for that title, like greatest of all time. It's still too early to say, but yeah, he's insane. And I am glad to see that. He doesn't seem to be affected by that hit he took uh, last week. No, he was buzzing out there. The thing with the uh, with the the Bucks versus Chiefs game, the Bucks have probably the best defense in the league, and the Chiefs have the best offense in the league. So it's it's really going to come down to a battle of who's bringing their A plus game that day. Yeah, and I think they could they're going to win. Like if the Bucks are able to shut down Tyree Kill and uh, Travis Kelsey, the uh, wide receiver and tight end. I think they've got a chance to win the game. If they don't shut those guys down, like the Bills did not. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey both had over 100 reception yards, which is insane. So Yeah, brutal. Yeah. But uh, did you watch that McGregor-Poirier fight? I did. I did watch it. I was a little bit disappointed by it, not going to lie. I was was shook. Yeah. It was just watching the fight and seeing the beating that his shin was taking. It Oh, it was bad. It was nuts. It was nuts. And then right when I saw him catch that, uh, what was it? Was it a left or was it? He caught one of the hands, obviously, mm-hmm. and he wobbled back a little bit. And you could see that he couldn't put that weight on the leg. Yeah. Just how he opened up. And then he took like, tried a, a sloppy combo, like not McGregor-esque at all, sloppy combo. And I think I knew at that point, I was like, he's he's done right here. He's yeah. done right here. And then about 10 seconds later, he just started picking him apart. And I don't think there's anything he could really do because he can't move. He couldn't move out of there because his leg was so fucked. 
Yeah. Right. People are like, oh, why didn't he move? Why didn't he duck out? Why didn't he? Because he's such a great boxer. He's the best boxer in the UFC, or at least was. But his leg was fucked. He was on crutches after the game. I don't know if you saw that. Broke yeah, his yeah leg. I did. Yeah. His leg was, it literally looked like Rudolph's nose. It was so red in the fight. Like it was. Yeah. So I insane. think he fractured his leg legitimately because he said to him on the way out to, to Poirier because they got mad respect between each other. He said, You broke my leg, you bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember <laughs> yeah, it. I, friendly. I saw that. Yeah. So I think there's going to be obviously the third fight. I don't know if this means he's going to. I, I doesn't make sense for him to take the Jake Paul fight. This guy's making so much no. money with his with his whiskey. Like Jake Paul's just a bit out to lunch. He's trying to insult him. I got ten thousand for you now. Ha <laughs> ha! You should have taken it. It's like, buddy, he's got more money than you. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Literally, like this guy's whiskey sponsoring the UFC events. Like it's a proper twelve whiskey. I think I was reading online; they've done over like a hundred million dollars in revenue, and that was probably within a fiscal year. So, dude, I, I bet those Irish guys are just pound like Lorkin. Lorkin's just loving proper twelve. Yeah, and I, I remember it he, tastes like absolute crap. Well, dude, same with Drake's whiskey. Drake's whiskey, like Virginia Black, is disgusting. I actually didn't mind Virginia Black. That's so funny. And Did I you? consider myself. I drink a lot of like whiskey really and i like fine whiskeys uh, I'm, I'm big into scotch and some some nice rums and i tried virginia black i i had it aged for a few years though probably like three extra years i was given it a gift for my ex-girlfriend actually when i was like 19 and or 19 or 20 and then i didn't crack it till yeah i was like 23 it's probably hmm. like a year ago so it actually i liked it i liked it just on just on ice. I don't know if you're trying yeah. to mix it. No, nah, I wasn't at first. Then I was like, no, nah, I'm mixing this. That's what I usually do with whiskeys. I don't like, I just mix them. Okay. I thought it was, there's some really nice uh, sweet notes in there, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. it's not worth the price. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely not worth the price. No, I think they upped it to like 40 something a bottle, maybe even a 50 in Canada, at the LCBO. So definitely not worth the price, but I didn't think it was in terms of celebrity product. I don't think it was that bad actually, but everyone's got different palates. So, yeah, that's true. So what? Uh, moving on from that, what do you think about? Uh, did you see anything about Michael Chandler? The guy's nickname's Iron. He made his UFC debut in the uh, Cold Main event. Uh, did he just demolish the guy? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, okay, I did see something about him. Yeah, I think something my buddy sent me a video. <laughs> Man, he's five foot eight, fighting. Uh, I think it, I think he was fighting Dan, Dan Hooker, and mm-hmm. Dan Hooker's like six foot. Dan Hooker had a four inch reach advantage. Like it, it looked like a lopsided fight, and then this guy he just. Comes in with a body shot and then cuts up over top with the le- I think it was a left hook and he just I bet on Hooker so lights out. Sucked for Did me. you? Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry for rubbing salts in the wounds. That's a bad bet. Bad bet. It wasn't too much. It was just a down payment on a property. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a <laughs> damn it. Another year in the parents' basement. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, on, my Wi-Fi is not working. Yeah. <laughs> Something a bit more serious. Um, the other day. Biden obviously was inaugurated and started coming out with executive orders and secretarial orders and whatnot. And one of them was pertaining to the delegation of federal land. So the bill, the order essentially says temporarily suspends delegations of authority regarding leasing and permitting on federal lands with a significantly reduced staff able to approve such items. This order does not leasing or existing development and its face is a temporary measure, but it is certain to create bottlenecks that will last beyond the 60 day limit on the order. Sorry for the study there. I woke up a half hour ago. How are you? (laughs) But uh, essentially what the bill does is it stops in particular 
the leasing of federal land for oil products and non-clean energy products. Now, the First Nations have come out in protest against this uh, because actually it's the Unitaw and Ure Reservation located in northeastern Utah. So they've actually come out and said, this isn't fair because even their lands is no longer permitted to do it. And a lot of native populations in the United States actually rely on that energy and leasing of the land for energy projects Mm -hmm. to fund their cities, et cetera, et cetera essentially to, to line their pockets, so to speak, and to make sure their communities can thrive. So their argument is Biden has not taken into consideration the agree- agreements and treaties that were made years and years ago with natives, giving them their own sovereign territory, right? The land is their land to, to do with it as, they, as they'd like. But essentially what they're arguing is that this bill is, is basically saying their land is federal land and they're no longer allowed to lease out the land for energy products. And it is saying it's just a, a stall, right? Creating bottlenecks. But essentially, the natives are arguing that Biden is just kind of coming and taking away their right to do what they want with their own land. So I don't know if you have an opinion on it. but I think it's kind of interesting because obviously Biden, I, I think his intentions were good. Uh, you know, he's kind of, you said the main reason was to kind of prevent like oil fracking or whatnot and rely on like trying to transition the United States over to clean renewable resources. But uh the public image of this one then comes back to bite him in the butt. And I don't know if he, he really planned that. So yeah, I don't think it was a bad intention, but I think it uh, was maybe a bad decision because he's basically putting these native lands under federal control or attempting to, right? So I, I don't well, know if he thought about that too, too much, but. This is what happens when you rush, right? We see it time and time again when politicians rush, they tend to make mistakes because they don't uh, check every area that they should. And you have someone coming to office who's a bit overzealous and signing what ten thousand executive orders. He's signing in the first a ton. Two days. So many. And this is what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, the research wasn't done. The proper parties weren't acknowledged or consulted. And this is what you have. And, and don't worry about the image because it's not actually being covered on mainstream media. I did dig this one up from the DailyWire.com, who does pull up a lot of good stories that I can't find in the in the media. I like to follow all outlets of media, and I feel like adding Daily Wire to my uh, armory so to speak has been has been really good because i get to you know direct contrast i get to see what cnn's posting and then i get to see what the daily wire is posting and <laughs> it's, it's uh it's funny it's really funny the parallel to draw there but this it, it's it's funny you mention that because you know he had good intentions with energy whether or not you agree with it or not he he's trying to go green i don't agree with the way he did it but It'd be funny if you chalk this up to the social activists, pretty much every person we know on social media right now, everyone around our age, these social activists, right? That kind of just post their social and social media stories and whatnot, and maybe share a petition. They feel fulfilled that they've done something for their, with their day. And like, they're actually contributing to a cause, even though they've done actually nothing at all. Uh, it'd be interesting if you feel like fielded this to them and said, well, what's, what do you agree with? Do you agree with, you know, seizing the lands essentially and, and inhibiting the natives from allowing to profit from their own land for energy projects for the environment? Or yeah. should we just not listen to the natives this time uh, because it's for the environment? They'd probably fucking start spinning out. Pardon my friends. <laughs> you see smoke coming out of their ears. They do like, contradictory stuff on their stories. They have no idea. It's like Zach Galifianakis and I think a hangover one where he his uh, character is just like, he starts running through like all the math equations and stuff in his yeah. head. You can just see him like he's zoned out trying to do like this math. And, he, and it's like, that's exactly what would have been happening here. So 
just and getting the into smoke would just come out the ears. Yeah, it, it would be, and I would try and create a smoke screen, but it wouldn't work. Yeah. So getting into these the uh, social media activists, that's something that's that's interesting. I think there's some uh, important like places that you need to do. Even like I don't think like posting on social media does too much. I mean, maybe it it creates a voice. If you look at the the Blackout Tuesday, like the Black Lives Matter, I think that was a very good social activism, you know, sort of stream. It's got a permanent effect. A lot of people have those black squares on their Instagram. And, you know, it, uh, it was a thought-provoking time where social media was used to create positive change. But I do agree that there's a ton of times where uh, these activists on social media, I mean, I think they've got good intentions for the most part, but their effect on the situation is maybe a little bit more limited than they'd like to, to see, unless they really get passionate about and push a a product. But like, if you put a petition in your bio, dude, no one's ever going to see that. Like, no, like you can throw a petition in your bio to stop the Keystone XL pipeline or whatever. And no one's like, maybe one person clicks on that in in an entire year. Like, yeah. Sure, sure. You got one person there who knows if they're even going to sign it. Like if you're going to be a social activist on social media, you need to actually really, you know, push your agenda. If you think it's that important to you that you're, you're taking your, your voice on social media and you're putting it towards that you've got that voice, but use it properly and use it effectively, which is where I think a lot of these social activists are lacking. Well, think about it this way. You mentioned the blackout Tuesday until widespread police reform is conducted in the United States that it hasn't done anything yet, unfortunately, because it's almost, I, I agree with it. I think the, as I said, I had a whole episode on my political podcast about the history with the black people in the United States and, and everything they've gone through. And I agree that stuff needs to change, but what that did is essentially you have like half people on social media do it. The other half are kind of disgruntled that you've done it. Uh, no police reform has come yet. So I, I feel the question, what has it done? Yeah, it's raised awareness, but most people actually, I shouldn't say most people were aware of it because most people are ignorant, obviously. Yeah. So maybe it did help reduce ignorance. So that's a good thing there for sure. But uh, yeah, as you said, a lot of, a lot of the things people share on social media are just factually incorrect. Like whether it be about something about whales dying or <laughs> uh, something about pay gaps or something about free Willy. Yeah. Like everything some sexist remarks and sexism and, and ageism. And, and if you actually, I like to look at these posts, I look at the comments and usually they're just fueled by one side of the line or they're either left, right fanatics or right wing fanatics. And I get all these likes on their comments. I actually do research on these things. I said, okay, let me take this and actually do some background research. Probably 80% of the time they're, they're outlandish or they're apple picking. They're just picking like one stat that's insane above the rest. Everything else is normal. And there's usually a reason that it's skewed. If you yeah. actually look in the data, right? Everything's quantified and usually everything that's quantified has a reason uh, for outliers. And, but these people essentially use data to lie. And I think it actually leads me into the next topic I wanted to talk about is the, the vaccine hoax that's going on right now in the White House. So Biden's coming, what people are calling, this is the narrative the media push. It's super ambitious. This first hundred days, a hundred million vaccines. And, and the whole narrative they're running on is up until now, since the vaccine has rolled out, there's only been an average of 500,000 administered a day. You look, the days when he was coming in the office, they were hitting a million per day. <laughs> so how can you push this narrative to people? And the, and the media is doing it too. 
obviously when you start the rollout, it's not going to be at what you need it to be at. Yeah. It takes time to roll it out. So how are you saying, oh, up until now, the app, that's like saying, um, say you're making you know, 60, 70,000 a year and you, you had a high school job. My average yearly income has been, you know, $35,000 because I started working at 16. I was yeah. making minimum wage at the time. Like it just doesn't make sense. So you're coming in here and the media was like, oh my gosh, it's so ambitious. It, it's fantastic. He's doing a million a day. Well, they're already at a million a day before he got into office. <laughs> so stop. And someone actually, someone actually asked him, they said, um, it was along the lines of, do you, do you think that's a little bit underwhelming? Like someone kind of figured it out. And they're like, do you not think it's a bit underwhelming? A hundred million? He's like, come on, man. I just got in office. We're just getting started. He just said his ambitious the other day. And he like laughs it off and leaves. It's like, okay, man. <laughs> yeah, he's talking. There was no plan prior to me entering office. And that now we're going to do a hundred million in a hundred days. Just it's, to touch it's, on. Uh, it's a mess. Yeah. Just to touch on your social activist thing. I just want to wrap up uh, with a point on that. Yep. We're not saying. Uh, social activism on either like it might you guys might think that we're talking about strictly like social activists on the left side but we're not no like, no of course not it's left and right and especially like the alt-right dude some of the agendas that these oh, guys yeah. not well, i say guys but i'm like uh men and women you know boys and girls whatever that they push on their on their social media is i think even far more outlandish than what we see on typical like people that would identify themselves on the left side of the political spectrum like I think that, you know, uh, oh, dude, a big one was COVID's a hoax. Like, you can yeah. think that, but like, you're never gonna get the factual data to pack to back that oh, uh, that's that claim you, and with, that stat up. A like, claim like that without any backing is just an empty claim, and it makes you look silly. To be yeah. fair, and I saw that all over, and I was like, you know, scratching my head. I was like, do these? Like a, really think that it's I would believe that not necessarily a hoax, but if you talk about uh, where it actually came from and if it's, if you know, government made and it was released in the world for a reason, like you can, you could talk to me about that stuff. If you actually have some backing in terms yeah. of, of storyline and, and stuff from leaking from a lab and you actually have evidence that is leading to something like that. But if you come out and just say, Oh, it's a hoax. There's no COVID. It's, it's this, 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 like, I don't even want to say it, but I know people have passed away and have been affected by COVID. It's like, talk yeah, to them about it. Oh, wait, yeah, you can't. Exactly. Dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? People are dying from it. It's not a hoax, folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, yeah, I just wanted to wrap that up by saying we're not picking on the left here. In fact, I think that what we see from social activists on the left-hand side of the political spectrum usually is a better cause than that of what we see being pushed by by like alt-right and like far-right people I, I think it's yeah just usually littered with ignorance so it's like how are you going to push something when you don't actually have real facts to back yeah. it because the people that actually are invested in these things right whether it be you're trying to you know about sexism or ageism and they kind of actually know their facts they're like this is rubbish how are you supposed to push this when you're speaking to people that are actually educated on the subject right it's just not you're not going to push a narrative if anything you're spinning yourself in circles and you make yourself look worse for that cause so yeah. If you're going to push something on your social media, do research and please. Yeah. <laughs> we are open to any discussion, anything you believe in, but we love seeing, we're obviously very research driven people here. So that's, that's something that I think a, a lot of things are missing, but uh, let's move. What, what did you touch on? Oh yeah. hundred vaccines, hundred days. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Like I, I like the plan. I commented on it last pod where I was like, 100 million vaccines. That's great. Let's get this going. Let's get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. But 
the ball was already rolling. Well, that's uh, what made me do the research on it because I was like, you know what, that's, that's interesting. Let me dive into how many vaccines are actually being administered now. And then I found out that they were already hitting the million mark before Biden got in office. Yeah, I saw they Doug just started to hit it. Yeah, I saw Doug Ford like a week or two ago celebrated 200,000 vaccines in Ontario. He was like, my friends, we've done it again. 200,000 vaccines is an incredible accomplishment. And then <laughs> Biden like a week later is like, yeah, 100 million in 100 days. And I was like, sonk. Like, we could have we could have uh, vaccinated all of Canada like three. Well, I guess it's a two dose vaccine, so like twice in a bit. Well, I don't know if you just saw the feds announced that we're, we're delayed even more now. Oh, good. Weeks and weeks now. So it was initially a couple weeks, and now it's even more than that. So this is the issue with relying on other countries, which Canada. I, I read this last night, uh, an article that basically said, "What does Canada have to offer the world?" And like, what value do we bring? I think we bring yeah, a ton of value. Yeah, we bring it. Yeah. But now we're getting that shut down. We'll look at the Keystone XL pipeline, right? There's a whole lot of stuff no that uh, we rely on as Canadians to get from other countries. Like we rely on, look at our military. Our military is a lot of really strong men and women at part of our military, but we don't have the modern technology that you're going to see from, you know, countries like our southern neighbors the united states if you look at england like we're allies with these countries yeah but if like push came to shove and there was something that like imagine world war three broke out we would have nothing to compete we're just we're piggyback on the states and then everyone in canada likes to to dunk on the states and call them idiots and say they're all redneck hillbillies without the united states canada would be in turmoil they're our biggest trading partner for years we've had we've we've been or honored to have a trade a surplus with them, meaning we're trading more to them than they are to us, mm-hmm. uh, which we rely upon. But obviously, you see the shifting away from natural resources. It's it's how, how long is that going to be there? What else? What other export does Canada have? Uh, do they have the population density to to lead in technology? No. Do they have the population density to lead in military? No. Do Canadians even want them to lead in military? Probably not. So, what? I think it's you brought up a really interesting point. Is essentially what is Canadian identity moving forward? We've always had this vast, beautiful land in which we've been able to share our natural resources with the world. And we're, we've started wanting to do that in a cleaner way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Americans have decided that they want to you know, get their oil, essentially dirty oil from the Middle East and stuff where they don't actually care about the environment. And, and our own government, the federal government, is, is, is moving away from natural resources too early into clean energy. And you're kind of just abandoning people without a plan. So it's a great question. I don't have an answer for it. What what is Canada's next thing to offer really? And I have no idea. We're not leading the way in, in tech really anywhere. No, we're not leading the way in military. As you said, we're not leading the way. in obviously in terms of economy, we shouldn't even be in the G seven. We're just there because of our relationship with the U S and it's interesting. And it's actually, it's a bit sad if you, if you look at it like that. So you've made me sad this morning. Thank you, Zachary. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it is sad. Quite frankly, Canada needs to figure out something proprietary and they need to do it sooner rather than later or else be, we start becoming a, an obsolete figure in the like, worldwide political scene, right? Um, Which we kind of already are, to be fair. Yeah, and, and something that this, yeah, no kidding. And something that this article also mentioned that I, I was kind of flabbergasted by was Despite Canada being in, like, as you know, a member of the G7, uh, Canada ranked 20-something. I don't know if it's 21, 21st or 25th in uh, vaccinations delivered per capita, which is, that's pathetic. That's pathetic. Like, there's no excuse for that. 
Well, uh, you'll have people, you have Trudeau supporters come out and say, oh, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. We didn't even have the infrastructure to make our own vaccine. Yeah, because because of him. How long has he been in power and dismantling manufacturing? What do you no think about we don't the, have the infrastructure. And these other 20 countries, do you think they all manufactured their own vaccines? No. Oh, I no, know. they didn't. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's just one excuse after the other. And, and you see that with, uh, with partisanship, right? Everyone will just come to the defense of something or someone they believe in. Uh, blindly a lot of the time. It, I actually deleted my Twitter account the other day. It was just getting so toxic on Twitter. I saw headlines about Twitter not taking down child pornography, yet they're banning people left, right, and center and suspending accounts. You're seeing the Alatola. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Ayatollah, <clears throat> excuse me, of Iran is is threatening death to Israel and, and whatnot. That tweet's allowed to stay up after activists tried to get it taken down. His only tweet that's been flagged was about the validity of North American vaccines. And it just boggles my mind that, that these people are still allowed to stay on the platform when they're, when they're literally calling for the incitement of, of a death of an entire nation. And you're banning other people off of there. And, and it's just become toxic. It's just a cesspool for toxicity, especially politically. People are just at each other's throats. I said, you know what? I don't need this anymore. I'm out of here. Account deleted. She ya. Yeah. So. I guess we're not doing Twitter trends today, eh? <laughs> no Twitter trends today. But I do have something outside of China. Have you heard about the, the Uyghurs scandal that's going on in the northwest of China? Scandal's putting it lightly. It's genocide. Uh, a little bit, but I know you know more than me. So hop into it. Let's see what you got. So essentially, there's a native population to northwestern China known as the Uyghurs. They're of, I believe, Turkish descent. They're Islamic Turkish descent. And they control, essentially control is a, a weird way to put it, but they live in this northwestern part of China. That's where their population lives. And they've been native to the land, <clears throat> excuse me, for years and years and years. And now what the Chinese government has decided to do is essentially start to throw them in camps. They've started to indoctrinate them in the ways of, of China. They're breeding them out. They're making uh, Uyghur women marry Chinese men to literally breed them out. They're sterilizing people in these camps. And they're not coming out to the world and essentially admitting that it's happening. And now what you've seen, and it shows the power of China and the ignorance of many citizens in the Western world to how cruel and disgusting China really is, is that none of these international organizations have condemned them for genocide because I, I consider this to be modern day genocide. They're slowly putting them in the camps. They're advertising it through propaganda that it's some sort of rehabilitation camp that they're really excited to be there. They're learning about Chinese customs, et cetera, et cetera. When the fact of the matter is you have people that actually escape these camps coming out and saying they were torturing me. I want I just, I begged for mercy. I wanted to die. They're sterilizing men and women. They're breeding us out. Uh, you'll sit there with, as I said, they're trying to indoctrinate them. You'll sit there with hours and hours of video of the Chinese president speaking and speeches. And it's disgusting what's happening over there. If you see in actually the city, I should have had the city name popped up. I wouldn't have been able to pronounce it anyways. But if you look up Uyghurs and look into what's actually happening to them, it's 24-hour surveillance in this city and their cities. You have to check points everywhere. You have your cell phones checked, cameras everywhere, all over the streets. You can't do anything without the Chinese government knowing. Uh, and then you, I guess you're just praying that you don't get taken to one of these camps, but it's modern day, modern day genocide. You don't see anyone talking about it in the Western world. China has this facade up that they're this great nation when in reality between this and, and Hong Kong, it's 
it's quite disgusting and, it, and it's and it's even more disgusting that modern or mainstream media in the united states and canada isn't talking more about this you know what flavor of ice cream does joe biden like is, is headlining rather than you know genocide of islamic people in, in another country just because it's happening thousands of miles away doesn't mean that it's not violating human rights genocide's genocide if you're canadian or an american and you can somehow justify turning away from that just because it's it's thousands and thousands of miles away i think shame on you you're you're not a good person. China's a problem. Big time. Uh, it's, it seems like they're set uh, in their beliefs and their beliefs are set 50, 60, 70 years ago. Like it's, it's concerning, especially they're every day they're becoming more and more of a, of a superpower, right? Like it's. Well, it, then you have enablers, like you have a lot of governments tend to be on the left that want this peaceful relationship with china i understand peace is is necessary especially with modern technology of the world but doesn't mean doesn't mean you have to have a, a nice working relationship with them you shouldn't cater to a nation like this that is doing disgusting things like modern day genocide of these islamic people it uh, it boggles my mind i have people kind of pamper to china like you have justin trudeau has never put his foot down once with china yeah he he, he took in the huawei cfo because the United States wanted us to. Mm -hmm. uh, what has that done? It caused turmoil. Now they still have two Canadian citizens in, in custody that for espionage. So, and then I saw, remember I talked about on the podcast before, you wanted to let Chinese people on, Chinese soldiers on our soil to train them for winter warfare. Why would you ever want to have an agreement with China to train their soldiers when they're doing abysmal things like that? It doesn't make any sense to me. Wait, so didn't these say, questions weren't asked? Didn't he say no? No, that was to the... Uh... A Chinese-owned uh, oil miner. Yeah, yeah, he said no to yeah to investment here, but he was upset when he wasn't allowed to have these Chinese soldiers over for winter training programs and regiments. I talked about probably like six podcasts ago, and it's it just boggles my mind that the lack of backbone from some of these leaders not coming out and condemning. And I know it's very intricate, and people are going to say, "Oh, Braden, it's more complicated than that." Of course, I know it's more complicated than that with economics especially with China's position or Canada's position. We just talked about Canada. If they're not leveraging their natural resources, what's our economy going to do for right now? Mm -hmm. And if we're not leveraging those domestically and even with the United States and we pick a fight with China, we're, we're screwed. What are we going to do? We're, we're totally screwed. So you've literally, the, this federal government has pigeonholed us where now we can't speak out against genocide because we're becoming so dependent on other nations other than the United States, especially. So Maybe that's why he hasn't spoken out because he knows he's crippled us. And moving forward, I don't know what Canada's going to do. Okay, so I got a couple. Uh, I just Googled uh, Uyghurs in China. It's uh, spelled U-I-G-H-U-R-S or U-Y-G. There's a couple different spellings. Mm -hmm. uh, Google it. Look it up for yourself. I'm going to read a couple headlines uh, from articles here. I'll let you guys know where they're from, but... Yeah, so they're in the Xinjiang region of China. Probably pronounced that wrong, but you can use your uh, uh, Jolly Phonics to figure out how to spell that. So this article, December 14th, 2020, from the BBC News. New evidence of Uyghur forced labor in China's cotton industry. Uh, let's just sit for a second and think about that headline. Yeah. Yeah, not say. Exactly. That's something that we see we saw in the united states hundreds i don't know not necessarily hundreds of years ago but 20s 10s 20s 30 
like a long, long time ago, right? It's slavery is what yeah, hundreds, it is. Yeah, you're right. Hundreds of years ago. Yeah. It's a long time ago, right? Okay. Here's another one from, uh, this one's from The Guardian. Forced sterilizations and life in China's Uyghur Muslim internment camps. Yeah. That sounds concerning. It's all concerning, man. If people actually do their research on it, it's all concerning. Yeah, it's so I just I'd recommend that everybody that's listening right now Googles the term Uyghurs and reads through some of these articles and stuff like that. And they're not mass produced articles like we're not seeing it on. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen a single article other than what you put into our notes yesterday on for the pod. And I was like, how do you even pronounce this? I don't know what's going yeah. on. So I was one of these people that had no idea. And now that I see this, it's it's very concerning, quite frankly. Yeah, it is. But uh, should we wrap it up on a lighter note? Maybe for today, is there anything else you want to cover? I I think not. Do your own research, folks. Do your own research and try and spread actual non-skewed or outlier data. Don't lie with data is pretty much the message. Don't lie with data. You can lie with data. Yeah, COVID's not a hoax. COVID is not a hoax. Pick a song for today. I got I to tune them and listen to Ooh, I wasn't called, ready. Uh, yeah. So the song is actually by The Weeknd. Right? It's called Privilege, but I'm listening to a cover of it by okay. D, just, a, just a, the letter D, at C. How do you spell like that? S-E-A. So D and then space at and then space S-E-A. This is an absolute bang of a cover. Way better than the actual song. I'm fired up to listen to it. Yeah. Okay. Um Mine, I'm going off the uh, off the table here. I don't know if I'm even allowed to do this. I'm not picking one song in particular. I'm picking uh, two friends mixes. Okay. They oh, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Booty Mix, volume 11. Check it out. I'm just yeah. going to play like the intro to it right now. I don't think we'll get copyrighted. We don't have enough listeners for that, so... And then it gets into just like this. It's a 60 minute long, just mix and it's, it's fire bump it for like an hour long car ride. And you'll be buzzing the entire way. And it's just all these good mashups. Like it's, it's fun because it's like, you'll get uh, like chain smoker beats over like Mr. Brightside, like vocals or something like that. And they, they mix it and mash it together really well. And it's just positive, uplifting, good vibes, which love we, it. Love. we love, love the it, good love vibes. It. I'll have to listen to that today. Speaking of good vibes, yeah, let's wrap it up here. It's my sister's birthday today. Happy birthday to her. I got to go. Uh, What's her name again? Kayla? Sarah. Close enough. Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, Sarah. All right. Let's wrap her up. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Episode 13, one, three of the Founding Fellows podcast. We're See done. You.